Welcome to the Section K Podcast. Today's Tuesday, March 19th. I'm your host, Caden Rutherford, joined in studio with Cody Headland. Joining us on Skype call, Colburn Blue Larson. On today's episode of the Section K Podcast, we discuss results from the Eastern Nationals that just concluded in Jackson, Mississippi. We were also fortunate enough to hang out for an afternoon with NCHA Hall of Fame cutting horse trainer and the 2019 Cattlemen's Derby champion, Matt Miller. We talk about Matt's three equine businesses and the tremendous breeding program he and his wife, Megan, have established in the cutting horse industry. The NCHA Eastern Nationals in Jackson, Mississippi, just finished up this last Friday, crowned numerous champions in numerous different classes. In the open division, Austin Shepard put on another clinic once again, marked a 229 on dual rayish for Billy Wolf. He also was reserve on Sir Longlegs, marked a 223 for Lou Hall. And the non-pro Big A's son, Cade, marked a 222 aboard Chexie Luella, the NCHA non-pro fraternity champion. Second place was Blake Graham aboard Legal Dream. The pair marked a 217.5. In the 50-am, Cheyenne Johnson and CR Tough Boo Bear marked a 219. Doug Seacrest was reserved on Smooth Spider Ray, marking a 216.5. In the senior youth, Colt Moore and Cat Scratch Sister marked a 221.5 for that championship. J.C. Lowry and E.E. E. Ichibar were in second. In the junior youth, Charles Cody Gann and Heavy Metal, 218.5 for the championship. Riley Ferrier and James 1-5, 215.5 for second. In the 25 novice, Big A and Sir Longlegs, the Great Stallion once again marked a 225 for owners Lou Hall. Highbrow Playmaker and Brett Davis marked a 218 for owner Jeffrey Fuquay. And the 25 novice non-pro Ali Good and Sneakish, another non-pro limited champion, marked a 220 for the 25 novice non-pro championship. Colby Moore, Colts brother, and Highbrow Nadine marked a 218 for that second place. And the five novice dual smart DJ and Bill Pierce marked a 218.5 for Lindy Polk. The Sancho and Billy Kidd marked a 218 for Sandy Barrios for reserve. In the five novice non-pro, Cutting Horse Central's very own Lauren Middleton marked a 219.5 aboard her mare Iron Butterfly for that championship. There's Doug Seacrest again on dual smart Sherman for the reserve championship marking 218.5. In the 35 non-pro, Gavin Callahan and Hot Donna marked a 222 for the championship. There's Heidi Dennis, dual and Pepto Rio. Marked a 216 for the reserve championship. In the 15 AM, Heidi Dennis picked up a championship aboard Doolin Pepto Rio again, marking a 221. Chase Lackey was reserve aboard Stella's Little Scoop, marked a 219. And last but not least, in the 2000 limit rider, Mary Michael Britt on Don't Rain on My Parades SF, marked a 219. And Jeffrey Walker and CD Little Pepto marked a 210 for the reserve championship. Bam! Bam! Big A had a heck of a show, didn't he? Yeah, once again, proved that you don't come by that $8 million just sitting around. Yeah, those studs he's showing, has been shown for the last few years. Unreal, proven to be unreal everywhere he takes them. Just great horses. The dual race run was on Facebook. Uh, my goodness, that run looked incredible. It looked pretty darn good. That looks like another video that could go viral, another scorching run that kind of sums up what cutting is and definitely thought that run was one that people will be looking at here in the next few years on the example of a cutting horse so yeah no I agree CBL that Facebook 
um, post that I can't remember who posted. I think it was video West Ted Pettit and those guys that are doing the videos for all the NCHA produced cuttings. Now I think posted it and yeah, that was a hell of a run. Cade Shepard, Jackson Luella. Yeah, that's kind Getting of interesting. For the super stakes. How about a four-year-old just kind of taking care of business in, in weekend classes and kind of in a weekend setting? Have you guys ever taken y'all's four-year-olds out in kind of a weekend sec- setting where you expose them and kind of hang them out for a big run, kind of like Cade was doing? For sure, go and take them to weekend shows, but I, I'm not necessarily going and com- competing in the non-pro there's been on occasion, but to go to Eastern Nationals and think I'm going to go show my four-year-old in that, there, there's not, there hadn't been that many horses. But it just shows how good of a rider Kate is on top of having that good horse. I showed uh, my stud Mattel's cat in the non-pro Mercury at Rancho uh, when I was trying to win non-pro horse of the year, and and it's tough. And Mercury is are a tough cutting in general. I mean, you got to have a finals type run just to make the finals and um it's it's tough on those younger horses and i mean just like colburn said testament to how good of a rider young kate is and how good of a horse chexy lowell is also cody when metellus cat was a four-year-old uh when you're at rancho you had been showing him a lot going into that moment so you probably had a a lot of confidence in that horse at that uh, given moment going into that show. Well, Definitely it, a big difference between March and September of their four-year-old year. So I would definitely agree with that. Yeah, I know out in Jackson, I always think of the youth. They always put on a big youth cutting out there, and everybody gets excited for the costume cutting, I remember. Yeah, the team cutting's always been a big hit. I've done a f- couple of those in my life. It's always fun to see a big youth cutting um, here at Section K. Be looking for some more youth coverage as we get closer to the NCHA Youth Scholarship cutting that takes place every year at the NCHA Summer Cutting Spectacular. We always love to watch that and love to see the big horses that the kids get to show, and we will definitely be having some big-time coverage on that in the future. This episode of the Section K Podcast is brought to you by Western Bloodstock. Western Bloodstock conducts all of the sales at the NRCHA and NCHA major events in Fort Worth, Texas. Whether you are looking for a ready-made show horse, broodmares, or your next young prospect, Western Bloodstock has many options available to fulfill your performance horse needs. At the 2015 NCHA Futurity Sale, Western Bloodstock provided the sale of Taliate, 2019 Cattleman's 5- and 6-year-old champion, owner Bobby and Mary Jo Hawkins. Reserve champion of the five six-year-old open, Sinkham Hot was purchased in the 2014 NCHA Futurity Gala Sale. Owner Rocking P. Like their page on Facebook, Western Bloodstock Ltd., or visit their website, www.westernbloodstock.net. Let me introduce to you a man who has won over $3.4 million in the cutting pen. He was your 2006 NCHA non-pro fraternity champion, the 2017 and 2018 NCHA summer cutting spectacular, open reserve champion, the 2018 Pacific Coast core balance open classic champion, and most recently, your open derby champion at the Cattleman's Cutting. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Matt Miller. Matt, what's up, brother? How are you? Hey, thanks, K-Red. That's a nice introduction there. <laughs> Thank you. That's what I want to get out of everyone <laughs> that we have come on this show is 
a compliment on the intro. So goal achieved. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah, welcome to the show, Matt. We are pumped to have you on, and uh, congrats on your recent success at the Cattleman's Cutting. Oh, thank you. Glad to be on here. Y'all have had like four episodes, and I haven't been invited yet, so I was starting to get upset. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Matt won the Open Derby over at the Cattleman's on Highbrow Lady Boone, marked a 222 and a half. Um, That was last week, or two weeks ago, I guess now. Yeah. Took a little vacation after the long little gauntlet of shows that's kind of been discussed on this show. What do you remember from that day? Oh, that I've been, I've been trying to get with that mare ever since after the fraternity and, and, uh, before the, I made the finals at the Arbuckle on her, uh, before the Cattlemen's, those things started kind of feeling like they were coming together pretty good. I marked a 22 in the second round and that was by far the best she'd felt for me. Um, so I felt pretty confident going in the finals that if everything worked out that, that she could put it all together. Had a really deep draw um, and basically just took some risk. There was My first cow was, was something we liked, but it was a soft black cow. And we had an orange horn cow that we knew was risky the whole time and just went after her to see what, see what would happen. And that cow kind of made the run. Definitely when you have a deep draw, you find yourself making those kind of risks on some of those cows that you might not like or you think you like them. Or... Yeah, and, the, and like that cow, she settled real wild. And, like, she's the kind you would you don't even want to ride her down. Like, you don't even want to consider her. Yeah. And then as they start cutting, she stands out there, looks a little wild, but always holds up good. Uh, Taryn was right in front of me, and I help him, and he helps me, and he, he wanted to cut her. And he turned around his third cut, and she came out, but he had another cow get in the road, and he just went with it to finish his run. Yeah. And she stopped there, and I was like, well, we've got to try her. Yeah. I mean, let's get started on something and just see what happens. And then, you know, if it's if, if it's not a stingy cow to get the run going, then yeah. let's just go back and get her and play it out. What's, what's it like helping someone right before you show? Like, I mean, I'm – trying to picture myself right the horse before I show I'm not even really worried about what they're doing and I definitely don't look at the scoreboard before I show so what's it like helping someone and then getting on a horse and going and showing in the finals so it's got two different folds to it, it one of them you it helps it, it can really help because you're down there you can kind of feel the cows you might pick up a new cow you see something that good on their cut and you're like oh that cow's fresh and it acted good so it's kind of what we got left and that's what I'm gonna go cut um, but then it's also, it stirs your mind up a little bit. It's kind of hard, you know, especially when you're wanting them to do good too. And, and you're, they're talk, we're all talking about the same cows. We all help each other. So we're all on the same cows. If you're the second one in line, you kind of know that you're like, well, I'm going to get the short end of this. And, uh, luckily it just worked out for me there that, that we still had a good list. We still had plenty of cows left and, and, I think Taryn marked a 17 or something, and, and he wanted that orange horn cow, but uh, he just couldn't get to her. He just didn't have enough time left to get to her, and it worked out great for me, and, and I ended up cutting her, and she was really good. Who does help you in the show pen? Well, it's a little bit different at every show. Um, you know, I've got my main crew is at Fort Worth has always been Jamie Snyder, Taryn Rice, Lloyd Cox, and Casey Green depending on who's coming to the shows and stuff. R.L. Chartier helps me quite a bit. Um, 
Casey's usually at every one of them. Lloyd's almost at every single one of them. Um, so I always just feel like I kind of have to play it by ear and see who all is all shows up. Bo Gallion helps me a lot. I help him in Fort Worth. So um, it's always good when you can have people that you help that also will help you because uh, you all kind of get on the same page and you kind of understand the horse that that person's riding and know what kind of cows they need. Wouldn't you agree that Super G and Casey, those guys you just listed, all kind of have the go-for-it mentality in the finals and kind of would all like the same types of cattle? Yeah, I mean, it's and a lot of that comes down to the horse you're riding, and we all know our horses, and we know the kind of horses that they're showing because we've helped them enough, but definitely in the finals when we have that type, that type of horse, I mean, it's a – it's it's like a drug. Like you taste it a little bit and and you win and you want to you want to win again, and yep. you're usually willing to take that risk to to go do it on again. that orange horn cow. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You're usually if that opportunity presents itself, then then you're gonna go for it. Yeah. Matt Miller is obviously the head trainer over at Matt Miller Cutting Horses. Matt, tell us a little bit about yourself, where you're from, kind of how you started showing and how you got into cutting. So I grew up in Jonesboro, Arkansas, which is just outside of Memphis, uh, about an hour outside of Memphis. Um, my dad showed cutting horses when I was really little. He rode with Pat Earnhardt. Where Pat trained at was not far from his office right outside of Memphis. So uh, I was exposed to it at a really young age. Kind of quit for a while. Uh, dad quit showing. Um, then basically we got right back in and, and I used to go to all the shows and Kelly Earnhardt was showing in the youth and I basically just went and chased her around on a turnback horse all the time in the loping area and got in everybody's way and made all the uh, people getting horses ready upset. That's um, always good. Yeah, so then then as I progressed, I, I went into uh, showing in the amateur, started coming down to Texas. Dad got a place down here. Uh, Tim McLeod started training out of our place and – just kind of snowballed from there. I kind of started getting to ride my own horses and, and learning a lot more. Spent a lot of time with uh, Clint Allen and Lloyd Cox. Uh, really taught me a lot and just overall a great experience, really fun experience too. Um, started showing in the non-pro, training my own horses. And after Megan and I got married in 2008, I turned my card in and became a trainer. Take me through the process of deciding. I mean, I show in the amateur now, and I can't even fathom turning in my amateur and non-pro status for an open card. Tell me what goes into that decision, and how. I mean, what, when did you realize, hey, I'm pretty good at this shit? Like, I might, well, might kind of try and make this my living. It all went pretty fast for me. Um, same thing we talked about earlier. I got a taste of it. So I showed in the non-pro. I was I was fairly successful. And and at that time, you know, it was myself and Bo Gallion and Wesley and Skip Queen and uh, Chad Bushall. And we all were very successful non-pros. I, I made the Futurity Open Finals as a non-pro in 2007, I believe. Yeah, 2007 on Snoop Cap. Um, that was my first taste of it. Um, I think I marked a 13 and a half or 14 and won 80 something thousand. 
And after that, I kind of set my goals like that's where I wanted to go. I stayed in the non-pro for another year, and it, it always – I was training my own horses. They were good horses, but I never felt the challenge of needing to be even better and getting the opportunity to ride those better horses. So after we got married, I jumped in, said I wanted to be a trainer. Uh, I thought it was a – I thought it was a lot about the timing of it. Um, I had about three or four really, really nice horses that were capable of making open finals that I owned at that time. So I knew I could have show, I, I knew I could have horses that I could go show and, and potentially get get in the finals. Or your wife could get them in the finals. I think right after you guys got married, she won what both the non pro classes at the Super Stakes yep. that year on Trav Scooter and I taught Athena Putty Cat, yeah. I believe was the other one. Yeah, so I I taught Athena Putty Cat was uh he was my first kind of breakout horse in the open. Um I showed him as a four year old. That was right when I turned my card in. I remember going to Augusta and um, he was the only four-year-old I had. Um, I got, you know, at Augusta, you can only show three horses, so I got to catch her. I had one for Clint Allen, one for Sean Flynn. Um, made the finals on my horse. I taught a thing to Putty Cat and felt like I came in the finals and just showed, like, you know, I've, I'd been used to in the non-pro and, like, trying to go win every time. Tried to show with that same – same uh, aggressiveness yeah just trying to force it kind of yeah and, and I like just wanted just wanted to do good and and I had a really I felt like I had a really good run and I think I marked like a 13 or something in the open same kind of runs that I would be winning on in the non-pro or being up there in the top top end of it and I remember I came out and Phil Rapp came up to me and he said I know you're not happy with that just keep showing they'll mark you it'll it'll happen eventually and I've always kind of kept that in the back of my mind like just Go down there, just enter, go down there, go show. Eventually it'll all it'll all fold in. Yeah, to the tune of three point some odd million in the <laughs> open division. It is kind of falling into place, I'd say. Hey Matt, what what do you think the biggest difference is uh between showing in your youth uh ages and then as an adult now? Just your thought process going in and then showing and what your thought process is now in showing. It's kind of funny is because the difference in the youth part and, and where I feel I'm at now in my career um, is very similar, actually. Uh, when you're in the youth, you know, it's a it's, it seems like and you can go watch any of those youth kids. I mean, it's just going for nothing. it. Yeah. yeah, like you're, you're, you're there to win. Yeah. You're, you're not there for second place. You're not, or bust. <laughs> yeah, you're not there to get That's there. That's the run. only mission. Nothing yeah. else matters. I yeah. remember that too. <laughs> yeah, you're just there to win. You're usually on, on a pretty good horse that's been shown a lot, and you just went down there and showed. Like you, and you didn't have no worries in the world. No, if I lost a cow, I lost a cow. I was, yeah. The next time I was going to win. Like yeah. that's what I wanted to go do. <laughs> and, and, and you kind of go through that spell um, – I think a lot of trainers do when they start off of, well, I need to get through runs. I need to make the finals. And, and, and that's good. I mean, that's the conservative aspect of it, of trying to be there and trying to always be consistently in those finals. But now it's the same. I have a lot of that same drive. When I get to the finals, I'm, you know, if my, you know, you got that horse again, if my horse is capable, then yeah, I'm swinging for it. I'm, I'm wanting to go win. I mean, I'm, it, it's hard for me to say, yeah, I'm not happy with third place, but you're not. Yeah. Like you, you want to go win. Like yeah. you want to be, we, you want to be the winner. When you start the run, are you kind of just waiting to see what happens to be able to react on going for it, or are you for from the uh, the start of it when you're getting your first cow cut? Are you like, all right, let's go? 
to me, it's always you always want to build a run, and you always want to build a, a a picture for the judges. So, yeah, I would say I'm probably not as aggressive at the very beginning. Um, same thing, depending on the horse and the cows and how they've been, you might be aggressive at the beginning. Unless there's a cow right there on top for you to power cut, and you – Yeah. I mean, I've seen you do that before and start your run going fast right off the bat. So yeah, I mean – and, and It just you, depends if that cow's there. You always want to present that picture to the judges that I'm – I am here to try to win. I am here to, to, to finish in the top, and and here's my horse. I got it trained, and, and here I am. Like, I'm I'm going for it. Um, I I would say a lot of people have mixed feelings on go-rounds. Uh, you know, a lot of people can kind of take it easy and, and slide through there. Um, I've always kind of had the outlook of, like, a go-round, especially the first go-round. I want to mark as much as I can. Especially in the open, you got to be asking everything from your horse from the beginning and being absolutely correct on everything you do. Yeah, so I mean, in in the in the first go round, I'm I feel like I try to come and and we all know that the go round doesn't pay anything to win, but you want to finish up there in the top because uh, that second go you could get a bad draw, bad set of cows, and and have have a mistake that can that can take you down pretty hard. Uh, Amanda CD was probably my biggest example of that. I came in the first go of the Futurity and knew I had a good horse, and I showed her hard in the first round. I won the go round and marked a 20. I um, was kind of hoping that I would mark even more. And came back in the second go, and Fort Worth had a first hold draw. Cows were real fluffy, kind of wanted to run out. Thankfully, Taryn saved me. I marked 212. Luckily, I made the semifinals and, and came back and – you know, did good. Semis. Yeah, yeah, I did mark like a twenty four in the semis and and had some tough luck in the finals, but I think I think always that first go round, you're trying to go get as many points as you can, uh, and then let the safe part play out as as it goes on. I think that's really intriguing to hear him say that about the futurity because everyone's I mean, to ha- to feel like you have a horse at the at the futurity, especially in the first go round to say, Hey, I'm gonna go and try and mark a seventy four here. I think it's I think it falls under a lot of what Matt said. I mean, it depends on the cows and where you draw. I mean, if you're in a tough set of cows and, and you draw last, but you know you still have a good horse, you're probably just trying to get through that run at the same time. Exactly. I mean, and it, it changes with every cut and every horse. So Matt's got an EXP hat on, um, Equine Extreme Performance. That is Matt and Megan Miller's supplement company that they've recently started up. Matt, tell us a little bit about EXP kind of your reasoning behind it and kind of what EXP is all about. Well, so I'll, I'll start with you on the reasoning behind it. Um, I've been a horse trainer for a while now. Um, I know a lot of the horse trainers in this industry. Um, it's a hard way to make a living. Um, you know, if, if if I break my leg or uh, something happens to me, then I feel like I'm leaving my family with uh, foot. <laughs> yeah well, i mean it's 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 my job that, yeah. that that we're relying on um so i've always i've always tried to reach out and and try to get into every bit of the cutting horse or just equine space that i can get in um we started the supplement company uh with uh with some very smart and talented people that have been in it for a long time um came down and, and watched us work horses, show horses, and tried to target our brand and our product 
to a cow horse. Um, we tried to push everything to, you know, we can't make our horses hot. We got to, you know, we lope them down for a long time. They got to have good recovery. So that, that was kind of how all of it started. Um, we did lots of testing, uh, with a bunch of different products and until they were thoroughly tested, we, we would hold off and, and keep going until we were comfortable with them and, and wanted to make sure they were products that everybody could benefit from. That's, that was kind of how EXP got started. Um, which you can go to expequan.com. Didn't mean to throw no, plug that all yeah, you want. I it. mean, all my horses are on exp. My show horses, down to my three year olds and even my brood mares. I feed my my brood mares out here in front of the house pro form, and they absolutely eat that up. So I can definitely say that I have seen a change in all of my all my horses after being on exp. That's a fact. So no, feel free to plug exp's website we love that yeah expequine.com so that's where you can find out all the information on it um you know we kind of took a lot of different products and and targeted them to what we needed for cutting horses um a lot of a lot of all natural uh products that uh that you can that you can, like pace like the easy bins pace that you can show under uh without fear of any kind of drug test or anything that'll, that'll harm the horse uh, it's all natural but back to the question of why we started it, it, you know, I've, I've tried to just get involved in every bit of the space. And, and I know Cody can talk a little bit about this with being in the breeding aspect of it. Um, I raise a lot of babies. Um, we've, uh, we usually breed anywhere from six to 10 babies a year. Um, we've got our rehab facility there that we, uh, just basically it was started off of a, uh, we had a horse that got hurt, and I sent it to get rehab, and it was supposed to have a year-long recovery and only took about three months. So I went and tried to get as much information as I could about that facility and and researched it and tied it into ours, and it's it's been a blessing for us. It's It's been great. Yeah, that's M&M Equine Spawn Rehab. Uh, tell us a little bit more about what all your spa and equine rehab kind of entails yeah so it's a it's a it's we've got a cold saltwater spa uh it's all climate controlled facility um we've got all the other amenities the theraplay or the equivibe and the the uh maggie which is a basically a magnetic power pulse um we've got a treadmill some things like that and and it's been great for us as far as keeping our horses sound and i've uh knock on wood haven't over the last five years haven't had very many horses that have missed shows because we've felt like we've kept them feeling really good uh, i've got kayla weldon there running that she's she's she came once before and and uh ended up coming back working for us and it's it's been really good for us how many horses do you guys keep there on average at the spa it it really depends on the show schedule so um you know we we may have uh we may have one week where there's only four or five there that, that come from outside of my barn. Um, and then obviously we treat almost all the show horses that are, that are in training with me. Um, and then we may go to a show or it might be after a big show and we might get a flood of, you know, 10 to 15 of them that mm -hmm. just come in, you know, trying to, trying to recoup from the show and they're trying to get them ready for the next show. And so those, they might spend a week with us. They might spend, two weeks i've had horses spend six to eight months with us yeah. but you know just trying to get them feeling good again people can also 
have the option to haul in and out for the day, correct? Yeah, so they, they can haul in and out, and all the pricing is based differently on, on people that haul in and haul out or uh, if they keep them there and board them. Uh, so we, we try to just keep it open for everybody to, uh, to get to experience it. So talk a little bit about what goes into running a full show string and a full training operation and a supplement company and a equine rehab facility. I mean, that's a lot of irons in the fire and tell us kind of what a day is like at, it's, at the sanctuary ranch, Poolville. It, it's a lot. It's, uh, I think the, the, the smartest thing that I've done is surrounded myself with really good people that, that can focus on each individual task, um, my wife, obviously, she's she's the organizer of, of all of it. Um, she keeps everything on track, running good. Uh, Carly Chiarelli's ran, you know, helped me with the the training side of it, and and a lot of the mares and stuff. And same with Kayla with the with the spa and uh, Cameron and Daniel. You know, they're working for me, so it's it's a lot for me. It's it's a lot that goes through my head and <laughs> every day, every hour. Uh, but it's comforting when you have solid people on your team that you can trust that can go help you execute and get to your goals. What's what's the thing that helps you clear your mind before you go down there and show and just be focusing on showing? The simple answer is is the same and the kind of a generic answer. It's it, it's the it's having those people behind me um, and, and my customers. Um, that's that's what I see as the hardest part for a lot of young trainers. They they do worry about you know if I don't get this horse shown, is this horse going to leave me? Is this horse going to mm-hmm. go somewhere else? Um, I've got a exceptional group of customers that trust me. They trust my program. Um, I know if I go down there and whether it's whether I cut a bad cow or if I make a mistake, that that they have the I have they have my back and they're going to trust me. So it allows me to, to have more of that fearless attitude showing to try to go win. Uh, when you have people behind you that, that are always that are always willing to, to stand behind you. Win, lose, or draw, that definitely helps the mind frame when you're walking down there to the herd for the first go at the fraternity or whatever. Yeah, absolutely, because you never know. I mean, and, yeah. and horses are going to switch hands and all that, all that kind of stuff is going to happen. But if, if you have that strong base behind you, then you don't have to have that fear all the time. Um, and I've, I've been fortunate to have that. So another big part of your program, and I would dare to say your family, is your broodmare band, Trav Scooter, Carolina Moon. Talk a little bit about what those two specifically and your breeding program has meant to you and your family. And, I mean, your show career, Carolina Rain, has gone on to do tremendous things. There's been tons of good horses out of Trav Scooter that people have been showing and have gone through the sale for for big numbers. So what have those two specifically meant to you and your family? So those two mares have have really helped start our breeding deal. Um, Megan and her family and their background, they've they've been in the breeding business their whole life. Um, It was kind of like Megan came whenever we whenever we got married, Megan had Carolina Moon and I had Trav Scooter. We have built everything around those two mares. Um, they've been they've been great to us, and and now that we've we've kind of expanded some more and we've got more brood mares, I'll lease a few mares and and stuff like that. So, um, to me, the I I feel like 
in our industry, the breeder is often overlooked. Um, everybody's got their own opinion of who of who really makes the wheels turn in this industry, uh, but mine comes back to the breeders. I mean, it's about the horse, and we have to have the horses to, to go forward. Um, so for me, I always look at, at those breeders and those people that, that put those horses in training or put them through the sales. Those are the ones that actually – keep this industry rolling all the time and I've I've always wanted to be a part of that and and back to what I said earlier about when we started EXP it, it's the same thing it's it's always something good for my family to to fall back on to to have a good string of, of mares and and plenty of good horses young horses coming up well now add Carolina Rain to the to the band of of royal bloodlines in the Miller broodmare brand because the year you had on her and the year your wife had on her last year was nothing short of greatness. I don't know the exact numbers that you guys went on to win, but kind of talk about the year you guys had on her last year. Yeah, so she she's been a she's been a real special mare from the beginning. She um, we actually put her in the sale as a yearling, um, and it was a really crazy story. I th- thought we were going to get more for her than we did. I ended up having the option of taking her back at the, at the end of the sale uh and was so glad that I did and came out and she was just always a awesome two-year-old she was a she was an easy horse to train um Megan and I both had a lot of success on her last year uh, she's five now I think she's just she just went over the 200,000 mark Pro- part of the business plan obviously like I said with the breed and everything is for us to keep her um we're going to try to get babies out of her as we go, and and hopefully one day she'll she'll step in there to take Carolina Moon's spot or when those other mares get older so that we have a constant uh, uh, refill of good mares coming in. When you said that about the breeding part and building up your breeding business, what a cool moment for me and that mare was when Gusty Berger worked for you, and she's a good friend of mine. She brought her over as a two-year-old and worked her – out of my place in Lipan and I watched her as a two year old and I was like, that's a pretty awesome yeah. mare. And then, and then now, you know, three years later to see how much she's won for you guys and yeah. the kind of mare she's been, it's, it's an awesome feeling to see, even from my perspective, having nothing to do with her, just seeing her at a young age and then now watching her go and on and do good. And, and that's pretty cool. Yeah. And that's, that's the cool, that's the coolest part about all this yeah. for me is, you know, like right now we're in, we're in foaling season, so we're we're having babies. We just had a full sister to Carolina Rain a couple weeks ago. Um, it's so awesome to get to see them and and see their their mentality and then how they progress into becoming a show horse. And that's that's a cool that's a really cool experience to go through. I'm still on the Carolina Moon Carolina Rain topic. Hopefully, your one of your daughters is is winning on on one of those horses that you guys have raised. I know this last year at the summer show, Emery broke the herd for the first time. At the summer show, you've helped a lot of father-son, father-daughter duos win a lot of money in Fort Worth and a lot of places. Kind of talk about what it was like helping your daughter for the first time in Fort Worth. I was uh, extremely nervous. (laughs) Uh, A lot more nervous than I get when I show. And I'm the same way when Megan shows. I'm a lot more nervous. And nervous and emotional both <laughs> I mean whenever Emery was showing it it was a, a really unique experience I, I've uh, I've been I've been lucky and got to go help uh, 
I remember actually Austin Shepard sent me a video the other day of of me helping Cade and Cade's like this little kid that's not kicking hard enough and not being aggressive like you know a lot of kids little kids do and and it's seemed like about two minutes later he's winning every cut and we go to um so it, it was it was cool to go through that it was cool to see somebody like Cade go grow up and and become such an awesome showman and I hope the same for my daughter I mean she's she loves it and and wants to do the same stuff so uh yeah it was it was really fun so with the super stakes coming up and the new schedule change tell us how you're getting ready for the super stake well so it's the super stakes is in my opinion is usually easier to prepare for um because we're coming off such a hard run of shows these horses have been getting worked a lot they've been getting shown a lot i kind of you feel really zoned in on the things that you need to work on with each one because we've gone to so many shows. Um, I, I skipped a few shows this year in this first run because it's, in my opinion, it's, just, it's too much. It's yeah. too many shows. It's just hard to do. It's it's hard to do for, for me. It's hard to do from all my employees. Um, and the owners. And, and That's the been owners. discussed on this show for sure. Yeah, and, and even the horses. I mean, it, the weather. Know, I mean, just thinking the weather. I mean, like – we talked about a couple of weeks ago doing stuff in the cold and the wind and the ice. I mean, it's no fun for anyone. Yeah. And, and it's, so it, it's hard for all those horses and, and it's hard to go to all those shows and, and not to jump off topic here of your question, but it's, I think that's something that's got to change in the future. I, I think that we got to get cut and spread back out across the country and, and not have so many shows piled up in one area at one time. Uh, if we really want to see growth, but that's, like I said, that's another topic. Um, for me, with the super stakes, with the new schedule, um, it's going to be a lot similar to the shows that we've been going to where all the open gets knocked out at the very front. Um, it makes really it makes for some really hard days for me and my crew. Um, just those first few days when I'm trying to get all my horses ready uh, at one time. Uh, but like I said, we did all the other shows and, and – we're just going to look at it the same way and keep going. So what's a normal day for Matt Miller during the Super Stakes? I mean, whether it be the Open, you showing, or whether it be Megan showing in the non-pro, or whether it be John Brengard and Mike Wood and Kimberly Irons and some of your other amateurs showing in the amateur. I mean, what's a, what's a normal day for Matt Miller during a Triple Crown event? So normal day during, during a Triple Crown event, um, I have the luxury of being able to work at home. Um, and, and you'll hear that from a lot of people that that probably don't like that, that they that other people have the luxury of working at home. However, I feel like it's even harder on on people that have to work at home than the ones that uh, travel to the shows. We we start at 2 or 3 in the morning, uh, work all of our horses, drive, take the hour drive into Fort Worth, get everything prepared, show, get home usually pretty late at night, knowing we've got to get up at 2 or 3 again to do it all over. Um, back to what I said earlier, it's a, it, it's comforting knowing the people that I have that work for me, uh, that are, that are so honest and hard workers that things at home are going to be getting taken care of when I'm not there. Uh, but that's, that's probably the hardest part for me with the triple crown shows is knowing that we're, we kind of just run 24 hours and, and the, the commute back and forth, as opposed to some of these other shows where we know the practice band opens at six o'clock and 
that's when we show up and that's when we start getting everything worked and go through the day. Yeah, that's definitely something that goes unnoticed. I mean, people always have said that, you know, oh, that's so awesome. You get to work at, at the house because you live so close. But, I mean, you get 15, 20 horses worked half the time before 7, 8 o'clock, and that doesn't make for a short day at all because then you still got to be on normal business hours working all day long. And, yeah. And plus the two hours, I mean, the hour there and the hour to drive back, it it makes for a long day. Well, and if you if you do have any spare time then or extra time to work horses, you know you're at home, so you've got all your horses there. So you're going to work as many of them as you can before yep. you have to leave. Uh, where it's a little different if we're traveling to a show, you know we've we've only got a set number of horses there, and we're going to do our job and get those worked and and go on through the day. Yep. One of the biggest things that I was always nervous about uh, hauling back and forth from Fort Worth was the tack making sure that you had grabbed all the bridles and the saddles because the next morning uh, you need to have all that stuff. And it was always, it was always, I had a voice in my head all the time telling me to make sure to check to see if I brought the tack into Fort Worth. Well, I'm sure, I'm sure that voice in your head has, has came from a bad experience before. (laughs) (laughs) Or just not wanting to be part of a bad experience. Yeah. I know I agree with you hauling back and forth working for the people that i did and you just never want to forget anything because yeah. it's not like you can run back to the tack room and get oh no. this bridle matches it so we'll just use this one it doesn't work like that you got to make sure you have everything yeah. ready to go and and make the gate on time as well yeah your stalls and your tack stall specifically i kind of like your setup you have in fort worth it's not really close to yeah the... he has a vip yeah. <laughs> it's not it's not really close to there's loading like area so yeah. i mean if you bring in if carly and cameron bring in 10 head of horses and that's how many horses are getting shown that day i mean that's a lot of saddles and a lot of yeah, bridles and a lot of it's stuff a lot it, it it takes a very it takes a lot of organization and time management uh and a little bit of money to help tip the guys out there to always have a gator for you to throw everything in and drive it up to your stall. With the supplement company, you got EXP hats and jackets and yeah, all that it, stuff you yeah. can give them. So, hey, yeah. <laughs> it all works out. <laughs> so that's going to lead us into a new little short segment we're going to have with our guests that come on the Section K podcast, Questions from the Cow Box. Matt, we're going to ask you a little different series of questions, so kind of just tell us what comes into your mind. Today's questions from the cow box are brought to you by EXP. EXP offers an all-natural, drug-free supplement built for the equine industry. They have built these products using cutting-edge technology to deliver the highest quality product available to you and your horse. How do they know it is right for your horse? Because EXP was designed by horsemen and they understand what your horse needs. EXP relates to every aspect of your business, especially the health of your horse. EXP was designed by Hall of Fame trainer Matt Miller with excess over of $3.4 million in the cutting pin. Check EXP out at expequine.com. All right. Well, tell us your favorite cutting story, either as a spectator or a competitor. Uh, there's a, a long list of them, um, but probably the one that always comes up in my head as a spectator uh, was at the Derby. I can't remember what year it was. And Colburn can probably look that up. He's good with those stats. But uh, <laughs> Chiquita Pistol and T.R. Dore in the finals. Of the and Derby when Chiquita Pistol won the won Triple the Crown. Won the Triple Crown. And, and T.R. Dore when he hit his knee and all that with Lloyd. And 
I was I was kind of hanging around with Lloyd and his crew at that time, uh, and that was a that was an awesome moment. Like yeah. that was a wild moment. Uh, and when Highbrow CD won the fraternity, that was a really cool. That was one of the best fraternity runs. Yeah, I mean that was a, a that time. was a really cool experience. Yeah, that'd have been the '03 Derby on Chiquita Pistol and TR Dual Ray. Yeah. 07 Futurity Highbrow CD. Yeah, that 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 year that Highbrow CD won it, uh, that was the year that I made the finals as a non-pro, made on, the open finals. On Snoop Cat. Yeah, and I remember after the semis, I talked to Austin for a little while, and, you know, like I'm just, like I marked 17 or something like that. And he's Big got, dog in the open. Yeah, and he's got like the most badass horse that's ever gone to the Futurity. <laughs> <laughs> and I sat right over there on the side and watched him show uh, – in a box like right there even with him showing and he's just getting it you know and i'm sitting there thinking yeah that's what i'm gonna do <laughs> I, I go in there and mark my 13 and a half 14 or whatever it was like yeah maybe not matt where's your favorite place to show it's got to be fort worth fort worth has to be the i mean it's it's, it's the pinnacle yeah it's the best place to show i there's a lot of other pins that i love i mean but well, yeah. both both your favorite cutting moments were in that arena, so yeah, that speaks I mean, it's, something. It, it's the best that there is. I mean, I, some people hate West Monroe. I've I've always got along good there. Same so it makes makes me want to yeah, like, I like it. West Monroe too. Uh, but there's Tulsa, really there's Grand. nothing really like coming in Fort Worth for I mean the first day of a Triple Crown show, and I mean the smell, the the chill that's always in the air of oh, Little Rogers man. Coliseum. The, the, well, regardless if if there's not even any people in the stands, for whatever reason, in that pin, when you go to show, it feels like all the spot spotlight in the world is on you. It's yeah. the weirdest feeling. It, it's it's the coolest. It's by far the the coolest place to show, no doubt about it. What's your favorite movie or TV series or Netflix show that you're into or have watched? Uh, favorite movie, all time by far, hands down, is uh, Top Gun. Top Gun. Ever since I was a little kid, that's that was the movie I watched. Actually, me and my uh, my dad's best friend, who's my godfather, we always watch Top Gun and and Wayne's World. Wayne's I love World. Wayne's World. <laughs> what's uh What's on What's on the TV in the fifth wheel? With, at the in the in the Miller fifth wheel at the BI or at the I. I mean, ah, uh, it's besides the Disney Channel. Yeah, it's <laughs> it's it's if the kids are watching, it's cartoons, Disney Channel. If Megan's watching, it's some reality show that I have no interest in. <laughs> um, I'm a big news guy. I love watching news and sports, so uh, I'm pretty addicted to some different Netflix stuff like Narcos and and things of that same type. So. I just watched a new one on the on the way home, Triple Frontier. That that one is just new. came like out it, on yeah, Netflix just came like out. last I week. Yeah, I watched it on the way home on on the airplane. Yeah, and then when we got home last night, I had Megan watch it and I watched it with her. It's really good. So you're driving to a cutting and you're listening to the radio. What is a go-to song, band, or playlist while you're driving, or even maybe while you're working horses? So I'm gonna give you the most generic answer right here because I'm a fan of all kinds of music um and and my crew at home makes fun of me all the time because i can i can straight up hit some 80s country and then turn it around on like some early 2000 rap (laughs) i I listen to all of it so i listen to modern rap now and i'll still love some classic rock i I like it all what's your biggest pet peeve 
Uh, hanging the bridles up, right? <laughs> I mean, I don't know that's everybody's, but geez, it's something I feel like I show people all the time, and they, it's never done to my satisfaction. Well, luckily you're the first one on for the questions from the cow box, so you're you're allowed that answer, but nobody else will be allowed that one. Yeah, that's I, an original answer. Yeah, I just I cannot stand that. Like it, it drives me insane. Well, then they don't feel right in your hand when you're working. No, they keep it's bad. It, and then as soon as you Cut well, one cow, your yeah. reins flipped over, yeah. and you can't get it adjusted. It, it drives me insane. Yeah. <laughs> what is uh What is one of your favorite places to eat out of all the places you've been at a cutting? Uh, so at a cutting, uh, my favorite place is probably uh, well, I got a couple, but Searsucker in Vegas. K Rudd's been there with me. Yeah, like one year we went three times i think <laughs> megan absolutely loves that yeah. place the brain guards love that place mike wood loves that place yeah i love that place it's, it's a great yeah, place it's awesome um is it caesar caesar's palace in vegas yeah, i believe yeah so check it out next time you're in vegas for the core balance derby and then um cotton's in west monroe i love that place yeah Another that's place a good one i mean i'd go yeah. there every night if i could and you know we're in fort worth all the time but really fire oak grill and Weatherford is is one of my favorite places to eat. What you is, have like a racket fire grill now, don't you? Yeah, I do. Yeah. yeah. What is one of the places that is a common lunch theme when you guys are on the road at a cutting? Yeah, what's Megan or Carly or whoever's bringing lunch to you guys in Fort Worth or wherever it may be? What are they bringing you guys? So, not so much Fort Worth because. I kind of feel like we're always on our own. We like I'll go to Mama Monica's all the time there in the Coliseum or Great Outdoors or something like that. Uh, but everywhere we go, my crew wants to eat at Nukes, yeah, like the one in West Monroe, yeah, and That's it's a frequent spot good. in West Monroe. I yeah, think. and it and it's it's fine. It's, I'm, it's I'm okay with it. Yeah, but I'm not eight days in a row. It drives me insane. <laughs> Chick Fil A and people just yeah. forget the sauce. And I'm I'm not a big I don't. I really don't eat a lot whenever I'm showing anyways, yeah. but that's the only place they ever want to go is nukes, and it, I can't stand it. <laughs> what is something that you would tell someone to do at least once in their life? Take a chance. <laughs> Take a chance. Doesn't matter what it is or what you're doing in life. You, If you want to win, you're going to go big or, or don't do it at all. I yep. mean, it's nothing early in particular, but just – if do it yeah just do it you can't do anything until you try to do it so uh amen you're you're gonna have failures and and That's those are gonna, gonna be opportunities to to do better so take a chance pastor present who is the most interesting person that you would like to sit down and have a conversation with so i have a lot of uh interest in history and especially military type stuff. Um, if I could talk, I, I actually got the chance to, for about 10 minutes, talk to Chris Cowell. And that was a, that was a really cool experience. He was, he was involved in cutting. Uh, he worked for Mark Lavender for a little while. And I got to talk to him at the fraternity one year. And if I could sit down and just talk to somebody for a while, it would be him. Well, that's kind of going more into detail. That's kind of my favorite story that I've heard. I've been to dinner with you a lot and been fortunate enough. You helped me in the show pen and been a lot of places and been around you a lot and been fortunate enough to be around you and your wife. 
And that's honestly one of my favorite stories that I've heard you tell. So kind of tell us about, tell the people what it was like kind of tying your horse up. And, and Well, I he was, he, Chris was really good friends with Darren Blanton. Um, and I'd talked to Darren a bunch about my interest in all those guys and great respect I had for, for all the military and veterans. Um, yeah, I just happened to be tying my turn back horse up, and Darren's just yelling at me, hey, come here. And he's sitting there right where I tie my horse up at. And I'm like, holy shit. And, man, I sat there and talked to him for 10 minutes or so, and, and he had he had zero interest in talking about him, which is all I wanted to do. <laughs> uh, he just wanted to talk about cutting, about horses and training and stuff like that. And it was just it was just a really cool experience. Well, I just remember thinking I had heard a lot of – unbelievable stories and seeing the movie and I mean to hear the story about him being at a cutting horse show I didn't even know he was into cutting or even know what a cutting horse was so to hear that story that one night in Vegas when you told it at dinner it was pretty surreal just to hear that all he wanted to do was talk about horses and talk about cutting it was pretty cool yeah I didn't know that that's interesting so outside of cutting what are some of your other hobbies that you do I love spending time with my kids um whether it's going to their volleyball games or trying to teach them softball stuff like that, it's my dad was very active with me when I was a kid teaching me sports. Um, so that's that's probably my favorite thing to do is teach them and and be with them and help them learn different things with sports. So, so being that you said sports, do you have any favorite sports or sports teams that you follow re- religiously? Well, I'm. Arkansas Razorbacks. I know we've struggled here the last few years in football, but I'm a I'm a Razorback guy for sure. Uh, Dallas Cowboys fan, CBL. Yep. Uh, always Damn boys. He, even when I lived in Arkansas, I was a big Cowboys fan. Um, and the older I've gotten, I love watching golf. Really enjoy you it. You got any favorite golfers? Uh, Cookie. Yeah, Austin Cook uh, is – family friends of ours from back home used to live right down the road from him know it know his uh his all his whole family really well um he's got to watch in the next few years on the pga tour in my opinion i, I really believe that he's got a good guy on his bag and i mean unbelievable iron player that guy's one to watch the next few years i really like watching yeah him play. i see so he, he's obviously probably the one i watch now just you know from knowing him uh Golf and cutting who, are a lot of like. Yeah, too. who who doesn't like watching Tiger? Yeah, uh, Dustin Johnson. I, he can I hit, love watching Dustin he Johnson can hit play. the crap out of the ball. Yeah, you uh, getting excited for the Section K NCAA March Madness pool? Yeah, I'm pretty excited about it. I'm uh I'm not a huge fan of NCAA basketball. Never have been. Love NBA. What? Yeah, I just I'm not I'm not a huge fan of it. Um, I'm the complete opposite. Now, now there was one year. 1994, when the Razorbacks won it, that I was like, <laughs> you're obviously I was obviously a fan that year. I was I was like 10 years old. So, uh, but yeah, I'm I'm excited because I'm gonna fill one out and probably end up winning. Perfect. Love that. I love that confidence. <laughs> Get you some coveted Section K merchandise. Yep. For the winner. So, Matt, thanks for sitting down and chatting with us. We appreciate. You taking the time and good luck to you and all your customers at the NCHA Superstakes starting up here in a couple of weeks. Yeah, thank y'all for having me. It's a good deal y'all got going here, and I, I really appreciate y'all trying to help promote the sport and 
Thank you. It'll be awesome. We appreciate that. Thank you, thank Thank you you for coming on. Thank you all. Once again, huge thanks to Matt Miller of Matt Miller Cutting Horses, EXP, and Eminem Equine Spa for coming on the Section K podcast. Yeah, it was pretty cool just getting to know Matt, and obviously we all have a pretty good relationship with him already, but he was real open about what he thought and and being the boss of you know three different businesses that are extremely successful. Yeah, yeah Matt's program speaks for itself. Um, him and his wife, they're just class acts. And every time I see him at a show, they're some of the first people to greet me and ask how I'm doing and make sure. And if I need any help, they're always there to help me. And, um, they're just all around great people. So it was really cool to sit down with Matt. Matt was very great on the podcast. And, uh, as a trainer, I mean, he's, he's one of those guys that runs his business very professionally and, and on the podcast, I think it showed he is very informed on, on what he has to say, and he's very knowledgeable on the things he has to say. Yeah, hopefully the people learn something about Matt Miller, Matt Miller's program, EXP, or the Equine Spawn Rehab Facility. So once again, big thanks to Matt Miller. Yeah, and go check him out on uh, Facebook, EXP, Matt Miller Cutting Horses, M&M Spa and Rehab Facility, and get with them on anything you need for your horse. This week's episode is sponsored by Joe Borhan, a realtor for the Century 21 Judge Fight Company. Joe, a native to North Texas for over 25 years, is waiting to help you find your next property. Whether it's your second home or your dream home, give Joe a call and have him help you find it. You can find Joe on Facebook and Instagram. That's Joe, J-O-E, Borhan, B-O-R-J-O-N, yes, the J is silent, realtor. Or you can give him a call at 940 507 0457. Again, that's 940-507-0457. And when you talk to Joe, tell him the guys at Section K sent you. March Madness is heating up. They just dropped the bracket yesterday. The Section K boys have a bracket contest on ESPN.com. Join up. The link has been posted on the Facebook page, so... Create an account on ESPN.com if you do not have one. It is super simple. It is free. Create a bracket, and let's have some fun. The tournament's always fun. So join the pool, and we're going to have some cool Section K hats specifically to give to the winners. Join, make a bracket, and hopefully you can be sporting that new Section K gear. Colburn, have you looked at it yet? CBL, you got any bull predictions, dude? Well, I got Pretty generic for three of my final four in one long shot. Duke and Nevada facing off in the final four in Virginia and North Carolina couple on the other bloods, end. Couple blue bloods. Headland, like what do it. you got? Uh, I kind of I went two blue bloods and two uh, not blue bloods at all, but two lower seeds. I went Duke and Texas Tech in the East-West matchup. And Oregon and North Carolina, a little Pac-12 shout out. They're on a hot roll. So the Ducks. I got Duke and North Carolina in the championship, and I got Duke winning. Oh, yeah, my final four, Michigan State and Gonzaga facing off, and Tennessee and North Carolina vying for the other spot in the national championship. I mean, pretty 
unoriginal picks, one and two seeds for K-Rudd's bracket. But, hey, on Thursday or Friday, everyone just might as well rip their brackets up. But it was fun <laughs> having Matt on. He kind of talked some trash, yep. kind of chirped us a little bit that he was going to win the bracket contest. It's going to be fun during the Super Stakes. Everybody will be up there at the cutting, and we can kind of give everybody kind of crap and talk trash amongst each other about who's picking winners and who's picking losers. So I'm looking forward to that during the Super Stakes. That's going to round out the show for today. Thanks for tuning into the Section K podcast. Like I said, sign up for the ESPN Bracket Contest. Follow us on our Facebook page, Section K Podcast. Our Instagram feed, at Section K Pod. And hit us up in our email, at Section K Pod at gmail.com. We'll be seeing you guys down the road. Hit us up and tell us how you like the interviews, too, and, and if there's anybody you guys want to hear from or have us talk to, have a little sit down in the Section K studio here at Tierra Santa. So let us know. Thank you, guys.